Welcome to 32 Campus Drive. This is the University of Montana's own podcast coming to you from the heart of beautiful Missoula, Montana. Our aim is to tell the unique stories of the people, places, and creatures associated with Grizz Nation. Hi, it's Claire Bergeson. In this fourth episode of 32 Campus Drive, we'll be talking to a couple of science guys. No, unfortunately, we didn't get to talk to Bill Nye, but we did get to chat with Doug Emlin and Brett Tobolsky, who are both in the biology department here at the University of Montana. Doug Emlin is a biology professor at UM. He's been featured on NPR, written two books, and recently won an award. Carnegie Case 2015 Montana Professor of the Year. That sounds really dorky to say. (laughs) He may think it's dorky, but it's actually kind of a big deal. This year, there were about 30 state winners, and Emlyn says Montana hasn't won a Professor of the Year award in 10 years. I think in my case, I think the reason I got lucky with this award wasn't just that I have exciting teaching evaluations from the students. It's more than that. I mean, I think they're looking for people that that sort of break out of the mold and do more than just one thing. So I have classes that I teach where I lecture and I work with the students, and, but I also have other ways that I contribute. I, I work as a mentor to undergraduates that are doing research projects in my lab, and that's a huge part of a modern competitive biology education is training students how to do science. It's not just what is the science and what have we learned about biology or, in my case, animal behavior. It's, it's showing them how to do the science so that they come out of here fully aware of what the state-of-the-art techniques and practices are, and intellectually they're able to ask and answer research questions and to appreciate the questions that other people are asking. So when they see science in the news or on the media, you know, some big new result that's out there, they're in a position to evaluate for themselves how credible is that result, how good was the science that underlies that result. Emlyn's passion for education and biology fills the room. You can hear it in his voice. We talked for an hour, and I found myself wishing that I wasn't about to graduate so I could take one of his evolutionary biology classes. To give you some context of why this means something, I haven't taken a biology class since it was required my freshman year of high school, and for a good reason. My right side of the brain does the bulk of the work. Let's leave it at that. Years ago, Emlyn started looking at rhinoceros beetles and animal weaponry. For clarification, animal weaponry is what animals use for protection. Think of horns and claws. As an evolutionary biologist, Emlyn researches the formation of these weapons. But he started seeing similarities between the animal kingdom and the evolution of weapons through military history. He wrote a book on it called Animal Weapons, The Evolution of Battle, and that won the Phi Beta Kappa Award for Science. When you got ships that suddenly got sucked into this race where they had to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, or fighter planes had to get faster and faster and faster, It turns out that the stories are the same. So the same kinds of conditions that spark an arms race in animals also are the conditions that spark an arms race in the military. His research has taken him all over the world, introduced him to new people and interesting learning opportunities. Believe me, I love my beetles and I love the research and I think we really are pushing the envelope. I think we're, you know, I think our efforts are contributing fundamentally new knowledge to our field that's going to be important, in some cases really important. But one thing that Emlyn feels is even more important the thing he always comes back to, is the teaching. His fire for it is stoked, after years of doing it, by the reminder that he's not the end of the line when it comes to the information he's giving to students. Now that I've been doing this for 20 or so years, I look in the mirror, and honestly, the thing that I feel like that I've done so far that matters the most is the teaching. At the end of the day, 20 years from now, 50 years from now, you look back, nobody's going to care about weapons and beetles. It's just not that important. 
but teaching is because we're talking about helping light the fire, the passion, the interest in a generation of students. When I look back, those are the kinds of things that matter the most. It's a day when the lecture went really well. I go home and I feel like, God, it just clicked. It's a rush. And it's like, that's what it's about. For 32 Campus Drive, I'm Claire Bergeson. Here's Sean Robb. Brett Tobolsky is a professor at the University of Montana specializing in biomicromechanics. He travels a little bit to study gigantic sea spiders. In late September of this year, we flew down to the Antarctic and spent all of October and November at McMurdo Station. And our research there involved laboratory work as well as uh, a number of dives. We dove, I dove about 50 times. Along with a team of professors and researchers from across the world, Tobolsky spent a couple months in McMurdo Station, Antarctica, studying a gigantic species of sea spiders. He studies a smaller species in Puget Sound, Washington, but Antarctica was different. The, there is, the ice creates darkness, and it approached what it's like to do night diving in, in normal circumstances. So we always were carrying lights to see what we were doing, but the water is extremely clear, and you could see easily a hundred, I usually think in meters, but a hundred yards, like the, the length of a football field underwater. And that's virtually unheard of in places like Puget Sound. So it's practically like you're looking through air. Training for their expedition to the bottom of the world was pretty easy for Tobolsky. He would scuba dive in the middle of winter at nearby Lake McDonald in Glacier National Park. It helped him prepare for the bone-numbing cold in the frigid Arctic water. And the first impression you get is it's extremely cold. The, you notice your head, like, oof, my face is cold, my forehead's cold, like an ice cream headache kind of a thing. But it turns out that goes away pretty quickly. You forget about that. And then the dives would typically last 35 minutes. Some of the longest dives would have been about 45 or approaching 50 minutes. But the first 10 minutes to 15 minutes of the dive, you're feeling pretty good about life. It's okay. And after that amount of time, 15 minutes in, you start to notice your hands. And that's really the limiting feature. Other Tobolsky says he is fascinated about how sea spiders live. So the part about sea spiders that makes them interesting from an oxygen consumption standpoint is that they don't have any specialized respiratory organs. They don't have gills. They don't have any kind of mechanism for exchanging gas. That's, they just have a very small thorax or body and long, thin legs. And the diffusion is the mechanism by which they have to use to exchange oxygen and get rid of CO2 by being alive. So there are obvious limits to diffusion, one of which is that it's not very fast over a given distance. And it's clear that they are um, utilizing oxygen and moving around. They've got muscles, they have normal respiration. But the question comes is, how do they manage to get enough oxygen into their bodies and get rid of CO2 without having such paper-thin legs that they run the risk of falling apart and breaking? So on the one side, we're studying oxygen diffusion. And on the other side, we're studying mechanical strength and the material properties and capacities of their exoskeleton. The research on the sea spiders is important to the world. Climate change has made a huge impact on living organisms in the Arctic area. Generally, the theme of this research is polar gigantism, why it evolved, what are the implications of being gigantic for what is presumably going to be a changing world associated with global climate changing. The sea spiders are something, if you will, of a, uh, 
what's the right term? Is there, is there a model system for studying gigantism because it's an extreme case of gigantism there, but you can find gigantic sponges, gigantic isopods, which are really striking because we know them appear in, in North America's uh, pill bugs and so forth. They might be the size of a pencil eraser and they're, they're the size of your hand. <laughs> so there's enormous sea stars and others. So this is a general pattern. What you wind up seeing worldwide is gigantism in invertebrates in the Antarctic, to a certain extent in the Arctic, and also in very deep sea trenches. When Brett isn't traveling the world, he studies the flight mechanics of birds at the flight lab at Fort Missoula. He says Montana offers outdoor experiences that no other school can. I mean, one of the things that's inspiring for me being in Montana is the out of doors. For many people, of course, it's a magnificent influence. And that was a motivating uh, factor in coming here from Portland, Oregon. Even though Portland is incredibly nice, the, I would say the out of doors in Montana is a step up from there. And that's affected my research involving birds, where much of the work that I was doing in Oregon was in a laboratory with a wind tunnel and with experiments that were with birds indoors. And the research that I've been pursuing here has continued in that vein, but has also gone out of doors to see what things are happening in the real world. So that outdoors influence is potent in what I'm describing with sea spiders as well. And I think most of that stems in part because many people are drawn to biology in Montana. If you're, if you're studying biology, you're interested often in the out of doors. Most of my colleagues in the Division of Biological Sciences and the program and organismal biology, ecology, and evolution are ecologists and evolutionary biologists that get outside a lot. So that is, I think that's a, a huge influence. The importance of understanding biology, animal biology, in the real world. And I'd say that's a hallmark of this place. I'm Sean Robb.